Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash LHR book. That's clnsradio.com slash LHR book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, December 4th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. It is December. The reality sinks in that the calendar year is winding down, ready to turn over, but not before a good many of us all around the world go through yearly holiday traditions that occur over the course of this month. One of our traditions here on Celtics Beat, which we can once again thank the Brooklyn Nets for, is to primer college basketball's top prospect and fantasize over future great Celtics for the upcoming draft because, yes, the Celts are expected to make another high lottery pick some seven months from now. College hoops is now well underway. So for the fourth consecutive year, the preeminent NBA draft guru, Wiz, Savant, whatever you want to call it, Mr. Jeff Goodman of ESPN, he will be here and very shortly coming up on episode number 186 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Audible. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash try now and by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. I am going to do my best to get to the mailbag here in this space. Entries came in the moment we released last Sunday's show. Had to get to them on my Facebook video. I'm going to do everything in my power to get to them here, I I promise. But if I can't, once again, I will get to tweets, Facebook messages, and emails on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CelticsBeat. That's all contingent on how long I go with Jeff, which uh, with him, it can go a little longer than usual. So I have to prepare for that. But we will get to those who took the time to reach out in some capacity. And right now, we do have Jeff with us, so we can start transitioning over to that. But I should bang this out to make sure that we do get to it. That is our ticket giveaway contest for December. Once again, two tickets to see the Celtics host the Memphis Grizzlies at the TD Garden two days after Christmas, December 27th. Enter by purchasing a movement watch using our promo code mbmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat, mbmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat, and then you email me the receipt. So you screenshot it, 
Email it to me, latrussell at clnsradio.com. What is a movement watch? Well, we can be as efficient as possible here. Ahem. Uh, with MVMT, you can skip the crowds and standing in crazy lines at the mall and find a gift they will love for the holidays and beat those absurd prices at department stores. Movement watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at four to 500 bucks. Movement figured out by selling online. They were able to cut the middleman and retail markup out. And they provide the best possible price. Classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. This watch has a really clean and slick design. I get compliments right and sideways ever since I put it on. And I got a bunch for everyone here at the CLNS Radio staff, as I said to you in my video last week. But now's the time to step up your watch game. Go to mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. Join the movement and our ticket giveaway contest, which a ton of you guys have already entered. And by the way, due to this really large volume, uh, this entry volume that we're getting, uh, we've been sending free Blue Apron meals. Yes, a free meal to select entrants already. So there's just a lot to get in here. But let's now welcome back in Jeff Goodman. And I say welcome back to the show because he is one of our most frequent guests here on CLNS Radio. Our yearly tradition, as we said, once at the draft and once usually around this time, as we usually let the first basketball checkpoint of Thanksgiving come and go to see where the Celts are at. I'm sure we're going to get to that, even if that's not the plan. We hope it's the plan. But Jeff, uh, you are now on the air with me. Yes, here we go again for the fourth year in a row in December. That's right. Thank you, uh, Billy King, for uh, getting me on this uh, podcast a couple times a year, right? Yeah, it's not been eight times in the last four years. I believe it started in December of 2013 for this tradition. Here we go, December of 2016. We're going to steal it, uh, 17 and 18, we will able to weave. But, and this is perfect for you because you know me, I am not very fluent in college basketball. I'm pretty much about as fluent in college hoops as I am in Latin, which is not at all. Uh, so it's really perfect for you to get the podium to yourself. But so, you know, I started doing a little research for this show, Jeff. My research started in the Celtics Reddit forums. Of, of, well, I actually, great respect. But of all places, and, and I saw a post that was not sourced. But for the sake of this conversation, I'll roll it, especially since it actually vaguely ties into what you said here last June on, on this podcast. And, and that this draft could potentially have four franchise guys at the top of it. And that it's much more talent heavy at the top. Is that holding serve here on the first weekend of December? Uh, I'll, I'll alter that a little bit. I'm not sure it's going to have four franchise players, but I do think because one of those guys, Harry Giles, is, is, has been really banged yeah, up hurt and uh, since we last talked. But but it, it it's deep. It's you know you go through and you can legitimately say you don't know who the number one pick is going to be, and there, there's a lot of really good players and and, and strong depth in this draft almost to the, the 20th spot. Now, there's probably right now six or seven guys that could be in the mix for the number one spot right now. So, And they're all good, and it's a point guard-heavy draft, which I think bodes well for the Celtics. Now, a lot of Celtics fans don't agree with me uh, on Twitter. They feel like, hey, we've got enough point guards. You do, but do you have that elite point guard? I, I don't think you do, and maybe you can get it in this year's draft. Isaiah Thomas, all-NBA team, likely at the end of the year? Um. Maybe. I mean, again, it's like, a product of, of the environment. Mm. What's that? It's a good product, though. It's a good. It's it's a good product, it though. And I know we're going to get into this uh, a long time. But that's a pretty good product. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I you know I think if there is a chance for the sellers to get just a transcendent player, of course they do it no matter what the position. 
And I would definitely like. Would you max out, Larry? Would you max out Isaiah Thomas when he becomes, you know, that's uh, now, uh, now, not, to get, not, not to get off topic. That uh, is is something that in, I believe that's two years away, right? Two summers away, summer of twenty eighteen. That's right. Interesting, uh, yep. interesting debate. Only because I'm skittish about players who are that small. Uh, who have usually the back end of their careers, more often than not, not very good, use Allen Iverson and the real Isaiah Thomas as an example. But right now, geez, Jeff, uh, I would say Isaiah Thomas is the lead point guard. He's one of the 15 best players in the NBA. But I definitely – I got to push – Oh, I think you're nuts. You're out of your mind if you think he's one of the top 15 players in the NBA right now. Out of your mind. Statistically, he is, man. And he's going to make the all-NBA team at this rate. Yeah, but statistics don't don't tell every story. The defensive end, they don't tell the story. Uh, the the yeah, high yeah, volume. I, end, I, I, fact, I, I factor in his defense. You know, you're right. His, his defense is is probably he's probably he's, he is the worst defender on the team, particularly in the rotation. But his I think his offense more than mitigates for that. And of course, I think his, just how effective he is at the end of games. I just. Jeff, we can't go on forever here about that because we're going to get it. This this could get this could get really heated, and I, I need you we to educate. That's yeah. right, and then that's a show for the day. An hour on this. Um, I want to go back to Harry Giles because you speci- he was the yep. first name you mentioned here last June when we did a little 365 day look ahead to the t- 2017 draft. You know, he, he, you're right. He's he's hurt now, I believe, but he's also been yep. how many knee knee injury? Didn't he have a cut, like two knee surgeries before? Yeah, Even he, this? Okay, go he ahead. missed his take, entire take sophomore year. He missed his entire sophomore year. He tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus. He missed all but, well, he got hurt in his first game uh, last season, his high school senior year, tore his uh, ACL on his right knee. And then he had another procedure going back now. We're about two months removed from it um, on that first uh, knee again because it wasn't rehabbed correctly. So he hasn't played a game yet. Um, now he's 6'10". He, he's big, athletic, plays hard, fairly skilled. I think if he had been healthy, if he hadn't hurt the other knee last year, he would be the number one overall pick right now. But there are a lot of questions and concerns from NBA guys. And, you know, talking to them, some feel like the right move for him isn't even to play this year at this point. Just sit it out and see what the uh, medical comes back at the end of the season, and he still could be a top-five pick. Because if he plays again and has one more knee injury, he probably doesn't get drafted. You know, so who, you know who this sounds the, like? I got to interrupt you. You know who this sounds like? Totally different sport. Go ahead. And he was just in the news a few days ago. This sounds like Rob Gronkowski out of Arizona. Completely different, different sport. Yeah, now, again, I don't think Gronk had the same juice at Arizona, no, that he had the Harry back surgeries, did. I believe. Yeah, he had a couple back surgeries. Correct. I'm just, I'm just using this. So he wasn't going to be the number one pick, but yeah, there were a lot of concerns with Gronk. I went to Arizona, so I, I remember that coming out of, uh, coming out of school. You know, Giles was, I think, again, the, the not surefire, but pretty close to it, number one overall pick, and and now again, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I don't see him going number one. I'd be shocked. Now, I think he's probably. If he comes back and plays at Duke or doesn't come back, but the medicals come back, you know, uh, well for him, I think he still goes in somewhere in the, the – and it's a broad range, but I would say like 3 to 15. Yeah, I saw NBA Draft.net actually as of, as of this Sunday morning here, December 4th. 
They got him at number seven right now. Not, you know, not that really, you know, it means a little, but not that it means a lot. How about this little fun question? Because uh, this sort of just gets right into these little scouting points, the reports at the top of the draft. Nets, as of this morning, they have the fourth worst record in the NBA. Like to see it do a little bit better. We'd like prefer, prefer to see the worst, uh, but they're no worse. They're going to be top five. You, if you look at the NBA, yes. bottom five right. unquestionably. So that's I think Celtics can be picking anywhere between one to seven. Tomorrow, the Celtics have the number one overall pick in the draft. Who are they picking? I would take Markel Fultz okay. if I were Danny Ainge, only because he's a point guard who can do just about everything. Uh, he's strong. He can shoot it. He can he can get to the basket and finish. Uh, he makes people better. Um, he'd be the guy I think I would take. He's a freshman at Washington, originally from uh, the D.C. area, went to DeMatha High School, was cut from his varsity team as a sophomore, and has just kind of risen up the charts. And, you know, it could be another Ben Simmons situation with him at Washington with him not making the NCAA tournament because – Frankly, he doesn't have enough around him. Ben Simmons had enough talent around him. It was just a dysfunctional group. At Washington, I don't know if Fultz has enough around him. So he'd be the guy that I think makes the most sense, I guess. But, I, you know, again, there's seven dudes. Yeah, I, 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 I almost there. want you, Jeff, to just take the floor on almost sort of like, if you can, maybe just off the top of your head, because I know you're traveling as of this very moment. But almost just take the floor. I'll maybe go with the point go, guard. Go, yeah, go with the yeah. big board. Give me like a big board and then sort of just do like a little rundown yeah. scouting report on them the best ability. All right. I'll, I'll, well, let's start with the point guards because that's, that's, again, where it's heavy. Uh, and, and I think there could be five guys in the top 10, 12 that, that go that are, that are point guards. And Fultz is, to me, the most well-rounded of the bunch. Then you've got Dennis Smith, who's at NC State, uh, who I kind of compare a little bit like He's not going to be Russell Westbrook, but he's got that kind of game, like super, super athlete, uh, missed his senior year due to an ACL injury, enrolled early last year, which is rare to do in college basketball. He enrolled in January, didn't play, just to rehab, really. And uh, not a great shooter, but again, a freak athlete, a tough kid, has played up and down so far this season, but... You know, tremendous upside and kind of the new age point guard. You know, uh, so he'd be he'd be number two point guard on the on the list. Lonzo Ball, a freshman at UCLA, is different than anybody else. He's a, he's a kid in a sense because he's got the size and the he's the best passer in college basketball. I just saw him three times out in in, in at the Wooden Tournament in LA last week, and he's the most entertaining guy to watch I think in the country because. Frankly, he just sees things that nobody else does, makes people better. And, oh, by the way, his shot, which was uh, – it's not pretty from three. He's shooting like 48% from three so far, and he's much more athletic than Jason Kidd. So Lonzo Ball is a guy, too, that I wouldn't put out of the equation for the number one overall pick just because he's so unique uh, as a point guard. Uh, I'm trying to think. The other point guards that are in the mix – be uh, Darren Fox, probably the number four point guard on the list. Uh, he's at Kentucky right now. People have compared him to John Wall, 6'3", super fast, super athletic, really good defensively, not a great shooter. I don't know why, if you're the Celtics, you would take a guy like that. Well, they've been just down that I road plenty enough in the last 10 yeah, years. That's right. You don't need that. If you're going to draft a point guard, you got to draft a guy that you think can be an NBA all-star. 
and give you something different, give you a, a shooter. And none of these guys are great shooters, okay? That's the one thing I want to I make clear is even Fultz isn't a great shooter. He's a good shooter. Dennis Smith, not a great shooter. So uh, Lonzo Ball, not a great shooter. And, and Fox might be the weakest of the bunch. And then you've got a kid from uh, overseas, and, and I can't pronounce his last name, but I've actually seen him work out. Frank uh, Nitin. Nilakina or something? Yeah, Frank Nilakina, whatever his name is. I should know because, again, I saw him work out in New York uh, last year, and and the knock on him, too, was that he can't shoot it. But, man, did he shoot the ball um, in in the workout that I saw. And he's got really good size. So he's a guy you got to keep an eye on, too. I don't think he goes, from what I'm talking to NBA guys, I don't think he goes ahead of – uh, some of the guys we've already mentioned, but again, he's he's very very talented, uh, and I wouldn't you know rule it out of the equation that he goes somewhere in the top ten. It's just so, so yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Your, Sorry about that, Jeff. Point guards. Those are the those are the guys you've got to start with because point guards are so heavy, and you don't know what Harry Giles is is going to be at the end of the day. So then you go to wings, and I would say. There's probably, how many, three or four that, that, that are kind of at the top of the charts right now. And I think it starts, you know, with, to me, Jason Tatum, who hasn't played also. He's, he's Giles' teammate at Duke, and he's a smooth six eight wing who just knows how to play. And he, he's got not a great shooter before, but he's really expanded that area of his game. What he's not is a, a elite athlete. But you know what? Neither was Paul Pierce. And, and Jason Tatum has a, a pretty step-back jumper now that he's really worked on over the last year or two. And, uh, and he's a high IQ guy, a scorer. Uh, I think he can be a really good shooter in the league at some point. Right now he's got great mid-range feel, but he's expanded that. So Tatum would be my number one guy, especially for the Celtics, who need a, a skilled scorer. Uh, the number two guy would be Josh Jackson of Kansas, who's six seven wing. Tough. I mean, just a, a killer out there. Uh, can really defend, can pass, um, can score in transition. Not a very good shooter yet. So he kind of, again, a little bit duplicates. But, you know, if you think he can be an NBA All-Star, maybe you take him. Uh, and Malik Monk is the other one, who's about 6'3", two-guard at Kentucky, who is a high, high – this is the guy that I think will intrigue Celtics fans more than anybody else because – He's an elite athlete, and he's shooting the heck out of the ball right now uh, and can really score at a high, high clip. Now, he's got a little bit of like a Monte Ellis in him where he's kind of a volume guy, a little undersized at the two-guard spot, uh, but can really, really get to the basket and score. That's his biggest strength. Uh, But he's shown the ability to shoot the ball as well. So right there you went through – what did we go through? That's about uh, five, eight, nine, nine you, guys. You did, yeah, you, yeah, you did. You did yeah. go through about nine guys there, and I, I was, you know, because we wanted to touch upon Josh Jackson. I mean, the big comparison with him, you know, really athletic wing at Kansas. I remember you were really lukewarm on Andrew Wiggins here three years yeah. ago. Jackson Wiggins, like say Andrew Wiggins, two thousand fourteen, compared to Josh Jackson going into this year. They're different. They're different, but they're similar. If, if that means anything, they're both good defensively. Jackson brings it every night. Wiggins did not. 
And that's always what worried me. It was never talent with Wiggins. It was, and it still is, the ability to play up and down at the level of competition and not come out every night. Like, if you watch Wiggins, he'll have these games where he'll have 40, and then he'll have these games where he'll get one rebound at his athleticism, which is, to me, just mind-boggling. So I, I think Jackson isn't, neither are great shooters, both can be great defenders. I think Jackson brings it more often than not, and, and I can't say the same about Wiggins, certainly in college and, and even in the pros a little bit, although he's gotten better in that regard. So, yeah, I guess they're, they're similar. They're just, you know, they, they are similar. Um, Wiggins, I think, has a higher upside because I think he's got a, a prettier shot. Um, but with Jackson, if you work at your shot, I've said this on your – on your podcast before, if you I was, work on your yeah, shot. I was going to get to that when I NBA, yeah. When I was going to get to that, Jeff, when you were talking about all the point guards that you said you know supposedly had bad shots. There have been plenty of players, great players, who've come in a league with no jump shot. What to speak of? Gary Payton was one. That's a real throwback. Derek Rose recently, terrible, terrible shooter. All of a sudden, you know, three, four years in the league, he was a great shooter, and then he became the MVP of the league yeah. because of it. And so it was yep. sort of tough for me to pose the question. You know, intangible. It was almost like how we were talking about Marcus Smart on this show, his freshman year when we first came on the show, and he was a freshman at Oklahoma State, and he wasn't a good shooter then. But you you got just got this perception of him because you saw him practice that you know what he's just such a hard worker that you know odds are that should be something that he should improve upon. He hasn't. We're probably going to talk about that a little later in the show of of this whole uh, collection of players in the field. Maybe intangibly why or or just. Who do you think is the most driven to the point where they'll actually be putting in, I, I don't know, this is a, a wild prediction, I guess, in some aspects, but who do you think has the intangibles or, or the drive to, to really work and improve upon the deficiencies in their game so that way they, be, they can become these really good pros? Yeah, I mean, I think most of these are high-character kids. I, I really do, and, and, and I know them pretty well, all of them. And Like, I'll give you an example. Dennis Smith the other night had a terrible game against Illinois. And they lost. And I set it up ahead of time with the SID that I was going to talk to Dennis Smith after. And usually, a college kid after a game like that, you almost under, it's almost understood that he's not going to talk to you after that game. He was horrible. Six games into his, his college career, the team lost on the road. That the SID was going to call me and say, hey, you know what? Let's do it another time. And instead, the kid would stand up and got on the phone with me. Now, I know him a little bit from AU ball. And we talked for 20 minutes, and he was terrific. Um, Josh Jackson is, is, is self-motivated. Uh, Lonzo Ball doesn't say a peep, and, and that's kind of a negative in a way for a point guard, but he doesn't care about the attention at all. He just wants to play ball. Uh, Malik Monk, again, is, is the biggest worry for me with Malik Monk coming into the year was his inconsistency with his effort. And, and his ability to kind of be bored at times. And I see him in AAU go for 41 game and then go for four the next and and just start shooting threes instead of just getting the basket, which he could do whenever he wanted. But at Kentucky so far this year, he's put the effort in every single game. He's played hard and, and made an impact. So uh, that's good to see. Uh, you know, Tatum, again, is out a couple more weeks. Giles could be out another month for all I know. And then two more names I just want to mention that I think could be in the mix that we haven't yet are Jonathan Isaac, 6'10", 
skilled, uh, looks like Kevin Durant. You know, long, skilled, can shoot it at Florida State. Uh, a name definitely for guys to watch. He's kind of a face-up four man, but he's going to go in the top ten. That's I think, that's the way as we know. Ride. That's the way the NBA is going. The the value right. on those guys over the last ten years is uh, it's incredible. Go ahead. And Laurie uh, Markinen, a seven footer from Finland uh, at Arizona, who is the focal point of that Arizona team right now. So I, I would say that pretty much covers it. The only other guy maybe that gets in the mix there is Ivan Rab. Uh, who came back? He could have. He was going to go probably six to twelve or so last year. Decided to come back to Cal, and he's a uh, you know six nine, uh, you know athletic, fairly skilled uh, four man for Cal. So he's another name, and I, I really think that probably right there. Bam Adebayo is another one to look at at Kentucky, a big kid, but uh, and Terrence Ferguson, a kid who was supposed to go to Arizona who instead is playing in Australia. I don't think he gets out of the lottery. Uh, he's 6'8", super athletic, can really, really shoot it, and can really defend. Not great at putting it on the floor, but I think Terrence Ferguson's a name that not enough people are talking about right now, and I think the mock drafts have him a little bit low. Uh, but but I think he's going to blow some guys away in workouts. All right, Jeff, I got a commercial break I've got to get to. So if you just hold it right there if you can. And we're going to be back here on the other side with you, sir. We are here with ESPN's Jeff Goodman, and you're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Today's feature interview with Jeff Goodman is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the costs of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Made right here in the U.S. of A., a Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, as I know from personal experience. I've never used a mattress this soft and this comfortable. And you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spent a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, an unbelievable deal compared to industry standards that cost thousands upon thousands. And you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and promo code Celtics. Free shipping applies to U.S. and Canada customers only. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is being powered by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has become the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. With December upon us, it's now the holiday season and Blue Apron makes the perfect holiday gift. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook together three times more often. This creates strong family bonds and actually saves money. Those who spend a lot at restaurants know it's super expensive. High-end grocery chains, fast food restaurants, buying for the whole family can become absorbent. With Blue Apron, you can spend under $10 per meal in December. My personal menu will include braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples, Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice, brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts and pea shoot salad. And all that for just $10 per meal. 
Sound amazing? Well, today we are offering CLNS Radio listeners three free meals and free shipping. There's no risk involved, and you will love how good it feels and tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season to Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to redeem your three free meals and free shipping today. Back here on Celtics Beat, Larry A. Trussell here with Jeff Goodman of ESPN. And Jeff, I want to transition a bit as we jump out of this break. Uh, how about these these picks, too, from Brooklyn that have been coming in over the last you know few years and are going to continue until uh, 2018? And, you know, there was once this general assumption, I want to say about a year and a half ago and even two, three years ago, that these Nets picks were going to be used as collateral to trade for the so-called next great Celtic. But with the organization progressing much faster than anticipated, coupled with the seemingly light trade market over these last two, three years, and probably ahead here in the near future, is there now just a greater value on the Celts to almost utilize both net selections, both this uh, this June and in 2018, to bring these players here, bring them to, in a winning environment, and, and win, a winning environment, and maybe even have... You know, even if they don't become superstars, but maybe possible cheaper replacements for, for say, a Jay Crowder who's on a bargain basement contract now, same Avery Bradley or older Al Horford. I mean, you sort of get where I'm going here. You know, we don't know. We don't know what Danny's going to get. Certainly from last year, uh, the picks weren't worth enough. So he decided instead he was going to draft Jalen Brown. Um, I think this year the value of these picks is going to be a little bit higher. I think somebody may love one of these kids if you're, you know, you got the number two pick and maybe you can get something, uh, a proven commodity. Uh, I, I still think that's going to be in play for Danny. Um, you know, again, you know, they add Al Horford. Um, they still could use like a healthy Harry Giles would be exactly what the doctor uh would order for this team, I think, right now is a, a, an athletic, long, fairly skilled big man who can block some shots and run the floor and, you know, let Al play at the four, um, you know, or you, you need a, a shooter. I mean, that's the other thing you still need on this team. Avery's become a really good shooter, but you could use somebody else who could really, I, you know, ultimately what it gets down to is you just need another superstar or a superstar because I don't think you have one on this team I think you've got a couple good players I mean I, I think you know Al and Avery and Isaiah are all about the same to me they're all kind of you know second third tier guys in the league and Jay Crowder is beyond you know maybe a, a notch below that I think you got a lot of good players but you need an, a superstar to go deep in the in the postseason and I think ultimately, if you feel like one of these guys has a chance to be that, you take him. The position is irrelevant, and you figure it out later because you've got a lot of good players anyway. You can you can try to move some of these guys and, and see what you can get, or again, in two years, you may not want to pay Isaiah or Avery. That's sort of what I was getting to about this draft, is that you, you can almost say that the percentage of acquiring a superstar in the draft is it won't be as high you know, in a trade because a trade is you know right then and there. But when you consider that a trade, would, it, this is just stating the obvious of stating the obvious, a trade you would have to give up set assets to, to get that player. 
But if you are drafting some of these players that are as good as that you're saying, Jeff, they'd actually be coming into such a good situation in Boston. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, if you can kind of keep this score together and, and, and you know, they've, got, they've, and they've then, got a chance. And then that does give you options in that they're playing out in their rookie contracts when guys like Isaiah, well, he's only making $6 million right now, but that gives you options that they will actually be developing in a winning environment and then, God forbid, if you do, you know, yes. if you do not want to pay Isaiah two years from now, you can say, "Hey, you know what? You know, I think we'll get plenty of production from, you know, young draft pick X." Right. Et to me, let, let's let's play the hypothetical game, which is okay. Let's say they draft a point guard, for instance. Let's say they draft one of these dudes, whoever it is, Markel Fultz at number one. They get number one pick. They draft Markel Fultz. Well, you got to play him. You got to play him. So. To me, you can't carry all these dudes. You can't carry Isaiah and Avery and Marcus and Terry and and going to play Markel Fultz because the number one pick's going to play. Well, yeah, He's good enough. He, he, you know, So you've got to move somebody. And, and I still think you want to try to move somebody if you can um, when they have their highest value. So when can you do that? Uh, you know, And the hard part is right now, you're going to be fighting for a playoff spot this year, so you don't want to break up this year's team unless you have to. So Danny's in a tough spot because Brad wants to win now. Danny realizes this team isn't good enough to win a championship now. you you, you, you got to add other pieces. But he wants them to be competitive and gain playoff experience and, of course, you know, make it look a, a more appealing to free agents and i.e. Gordon Hayward, et cetera. Definitely. definitely, definitely. And you want to win a playoff series. You know, you want to get through a playoff series this year and, and get that taste in, in some of these kids' mouths going forward. Uh, but, but again, knowing that this team, as currently constituted, is not winning an NBA title, probably not winning the East unless LeBron James gets hurt or retires. Do a rundown of the picks of the last three years, although I do want to skip over 2015. You know, they didn't really have much uh, options there. They're not picking Terry Rozier, who you know, looked okay you know, a year and a half yep. in. But let's start four years ago. Uh, I don't even remember really us talking about him much, even though he was somewhat not celebrated coming out of college, but he was a noted player when he was in college. He was on the cover of SI. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that much. It wasn't like he was a cover of ESPN, the magazine. That's, but that's Kelly Olenek. Um, <laughs> why don't I just sort of give you the floor on Kelly Olenek as we are? He, he's played okay the last few games, coming around a little bit, but just Kelly Olenek, just take it. Yeah, he, he's a good rotation big to me. You know, and if you got to start Kelly Olenek and play him a lot of minutes, uh, you you don't have a great team. Uh, if he's your your fourth big in your rotation overall, you got a good team. You know, he he should be your ninth or tenth man, in my opinion. Now he's shown flashes of being better than that, um, but not very good defensively. Uh, you know, can step out and make shots, but you know, to me, there's a there's a ceiling on Kelly Olenek. And I, I think, again, he's a guy that ultimately isn't here long term. It's all or nothing with him. You said he could be a good eighth or ninth man. I feel like he's someone who could be a good starter if he's making shots. And then when he's making shots, he's passing. He's rotating on defense. Uh, he's not, not really rebounding. But he's a great – no, no, I would call it a great player. But he's very, very good. He's a complete positive of the team. I think he's the key to the second unit. But just bizarrely enough, when – he doesn't have it. He doesn't give you anything. Like, if he's not making a shot for as effective of a passer he is, he just curls into a shell and, you know, gives you nothing. Was that the case of him when, we, when he was at you know, Gonzaga? I mean, he 
I, I hate to say that he doesn't. I don't know. There's something that just not there with no him. because he was he was in the WCC where he was bigger than everybody else and nobody really expected him to do what he did. He, he redshirted one year and then and then kind of came out of his shell and was a dominant player for Mark Buick and Zaga again because in the WCC he could he, he was just so much uh, more talented and bigger and. It was easy for him. It was easy for him. Yeah, I don't know where this came from where, to the point where it's still the this, this, this struggle for him mentally to, to really be immersed in every single game. But, uh, you know, if this is sort of something you can just sort of complain about forever. All right, now this is um, – I don't even know how to leave this one off, Jeff, especially I knew you we were insinuating it right away when you said they could use a young point guard. You were high on Marcus Smart. At Oklahoma State, yep. you were high on Marcus Smart coming out of high school. You were high on Marcus Smart when the Celtics picked yep. him number six overall. He there's he does a lot of things that I like, and overall, he is bizarre as it is. I think he makes more of a positive impact on the game than he does a negative impact on the game. He does there are a lot of unique things that he does that you're just not going to get uh, from you know your average good NBA player. And one, I should make one point before I do turn it over to you about Marcus, is that the Celtics see his value day in and day out, and they see his value in practices, those quote-unquote winning plays that he makes during games, which he does. But I don't think other teams in and around the NBA sort of see that value if he was going to be involved in some sort of package for a trade. I don't think they're going to trade Marcus this year. I don't think they would trade any rotation player this year, as you said, unless they could get some game-changing superstar that's going to completely put them in a different tier of NBA teams. I think they'll ride with this team uh, and let them continue to grow organically. But once again, take the floor on Marcus Smart, December 4th, 2016. You know, intangibles. That that's the biggest thing you could say about Marcus Smart, right? Is they they value him more than everybody else because they see those intangibles, as you mentioned, every day, and they don't show up in the box score. So you can't really judge him that way. Uh, other teams worry about, well, what is he? He's not really a point guard. He doesn't make people better. He's not a two guard. I, I should get into on this. I, I want to interrupt you on this. His playmaking. I don't know if you've been yeah. watching recently. His playmaking actually has better. taken a pretty down. decent step. That yes. it's 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 odd. Yep. His shooting. Uh, it's almost like it's got. I don't want to say it's gotten worse. Although his free throw shooting has gone down significantly. That to me is very concerning. Playmaking. Although I made this point on last week's show with Keith Smith. Al Horford's making any but everybody look like John Stockton if he's the one setting the screens. Uh, but his playmaking yep. has been yep. much better this year. So, sorry, but continue. Well, Al Horford is, is is just so underrated when you talk about intangibles. Like, I, I, I love Al just because Al makes everybody better. And he doesn't do it ever for himself. You know, it's quiet. Uh, one but one again, of my favorites. Look, I don't want to digress. Yeah. I don't want to digress on Al, but I love Al just because he's the ultimate team guy, consummate pro. Uh, Marcus... You know, again, the problem with Marcus is his value around the league isn't what Danny values him. Yeah. And, and the problem is ultimately it's hard to put him out there. Um, you know, he's not really a starting guard. You can't start him over Avery. Avery shoots it much better. He's as good defensively. He's a true two guard now. Uh, you're not starting him ahead of Isaiah because Isaiah can make plays off the bounce and you need his scoring. So, you know, Marcus is what he is. At, with this organization, which is a, a backup who can guard multiple positions, brings the ultimate toughness uh, to the to the floor, and is a winner. And and I, I love Marcus. 
but I just don't know if I ever see him as being a starting guard in this league for a good team. Yeah, I was gonna get. I was gonna get to you. Do you see him making the improvements on his shot? Now, granted, he did change his form to his jump shot this year. As you know, that's like changing your golf swing. That doesn't come overnight. I was pretty basically ready to say. I mean, and this could almost be twofold in its own right. We can lament about him not having a shot, but despite the fact that he doesn't have a shot, he still has a very quick trigger. I I just don't understand oh. that. And there's and there's oh. okay, yeah. I've talked to Brad. I, yeah, I was going to say, is this I've joked yeah, okay. with Brad about him. I've joked with Brad, and I'm like, but but I was there at the game where Amir Johnson made like four threes. And I said, only you, this is what I said to Brad when I saw him in the hallway after the game. I said, only you would allow Amir Johnson to shoot, you know, threes like you did tonight. And he just looked at me and smiled. He's like, why not? Well, you Marcus know, like is, he'll, he'll go one for seven. I mean, he'll put up, I think back in the Detroit game, he there was a three he made from the wing, like five steps beyond the three-point line. At the end of the shot clock, he made it. Then, <laughs> in, within the next three minutes, he takes four threes, and they're all way off. Like, they have, like, no chance yeah. of going in. I was ready to say, is is the coaching staff or is anyone in man- management saying, hey, dude, you know, because you never hear Marcus say something along the lines, you know, when you, when you – you hear players have these laments after games. You've heard a couple times, you know, Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart himself. They've talked about the defensive intensity hasn't been to the par that they had it last year. But you never hear Marcus Smart say something along the lines of, geez, you know, I have to take better shots. It's, he'll actually say something like, hey, geez, you know, I'm open. Shoot or shoot. So I, I do get into that. Why, yeah, I know. I do get into that. There must be some sort of mindset that it's almost like vaguely acceptable. And my theory almost is. Like I don't know if you remember this, but when Jim O'Brien was coaching the Celtics 15 years ago, way back now, he used to say, Antoine yep. and, and you other guys, you guys, you know what? Take all the bad shots as you want. Just D up for me. D up for me. Play 1,000% on that end of the floor. And you know what? Your reward is you can take those shots, I guess. Is this a yeah, is this I mean, kind listen, of a conspiracy theory Brad on my end? everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's one of the, the great things about Brad is he gives guys the freedom and and I'm sure part of it is I'm going to give you the freedom, but, but you're going to play hard for me. If you play hard for me, I'll give you the freedom. If not, you know, but, again, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it for Marcus Smart because clearly he's more effective going to the basket. I mean, it's not even close. He's having trouble so creating his own shot So I don't get it in far, his head. Mm-hmm. He is having yeah, I mean, a little – it's. you it, want to take – Yeah, go ahead. Take 15-footers, fine, Marcus, but – but let's not take seven threes in a game. I mean, there's no – unless you hit your first three or four, you're done. You're done. There's a reason why you're open. It's, he takes them when he's not open. I mean, if he's taking open threes and he misses, fine, because you don't want to just disrupt the entire flow of the offense. It was almost like when Rondo was here and he passed up a wide-open shot. It's funny. I actually just referenced Rondo. I wish there was some medium – between Marcus and Rondo in terms of shot selection, Rondo used to never sh- – I mean, he'd pass up layups. Remember how maddening that was? Yes. And then you would look at – you know, yes. of course you remember his biggest uh, detractor. I, I remember but, you Rondo. But, know, you know, Rondo actually would shoot like, you know, 45%. You say, oh, Rondo can't shoot. But he would shoot 45% because, you know, he wouldn't – he would just only take shots that he knew he could make. Marcus is shooting, right. you know, he's got Bob Cousy shooting percentages, even though there's a little far, there's far less uh, opportunities for a shot as Bob Cousy has, because he's just very, very aggressive 
uh, with that trigger. You know, I just it, hey, it's almost like you know, you're talking about Kelly and Marcus. It's almost like the Wizard of Oz type of thing. Hey, if Kelly Olynyk had a heart, if Marcus Smart, oh, Marcus has he's got a good ba- <laughs> he's got to be he's got a good basketball IQ. It's just I don't know, it doesn't seem to be all there uh, with his brain in terms of his shot selection wise. Still is having a little trouble getting his shot off though. Finishing around the basket a little better. I think Mark D'Amico had a tweet out probably two weeks ago now. How his floater in the lane much higher, just efficiency wise in terms of conversion. But uh, you're right. I just I don't understand. Uh, that's a lament that I think that we'll just have forever, forever on this team as long as Brad's coaching in terms of uh, players just really having the leeway of being able to take the kind of shots uh, that they yep. do. All right. Lastly. Um, you know, it's only been a couple weeks in an NBA career. I was never really high on him out of this draft at all, even though, like I said, I just do not watch any college basketball. But he just seemed, the way you described yeah. him and the way Ryan Bernardoni described him as well, as just it seemed a little too Jeff Green for me. Uh, but once again, here we go, Jalen Brown. Well, you know, like I think we got to give him more time, obviously. It's, it's early, um, you know. He plays bully ball and, and, and he drives to the hoop and, you know, sometimes he looks super athletic and he looks great in, in stretches and then that's other Jeff times Green. he looks completely. That's ball. Jeff Green. Yeah, yeah. That's it Jeff is, Green. It is. And, you know, Jalen Brown is, is, is a high IQ kid. And I said this when he, when he was drafted, I think. I just worry he's a different dude. And, uh, I worry if he does – is basketball the, the, the most important thing to him? Is it going to consume him? Is he all about getting better and, and working? I don't know that answer yet. I don't know. I really haven't talked to the selfish people about what his work ethic is like uh, off the floor and if he's always in the gym uh, working on a shot. I just – you know, I know Danny felt like, hey, he was, he was you know, maybe the the, the best – chance for what they needed there and could he be a versatile forward you know they eventually could be a good shooter and he could put in the game right away and help them and the position obviously was one of need because they don't really have anybody else like him I just don't know I mean I I think I would and not that this guy's tearing it up either Chris Dunn but I think I would have taken Chris Dunn and tried to. Yeah, move I was. Go, I was going to get. Rich. I was going to get to you on that. Of course, although you know what though, I'll say. Well, let's say one thing about this is is point guard heavy as you described this year's draft that actually may, in strategy wise, work yes. out at that end uh, because you know just odds are they're going to be able to, to select a point guard this year. But I was going to get into that the the um, top five or six picks I believe are not really performing uh, thus far, Jalen included. Yeah, I mean, again, because Ben Simmons is hurt and uh, Jalen's not playing a whole lot and Chris Dunn got hurt in the preseason and is behind Ricky Rubio now. So, um, yeah, there's some there's some circumstances for that as well. But, you know, here ultimately here's what I'll say is, is okay, out of the, these three picks, Jalen Brown included, these three Nets picks that I think are all going to be This high, is the best one coming up, what right? You need, yeah, and the two coming up. What you need to get out of those is if Jalen Brown can be your, your fifth best player on the floor, he's fine. He's fine. But what you need is these next two to ultimately be, you need to get a franchise player out of one of these next two. And then a guy that, that that's kind of a, a fringe all-star and all-star. I'd you know, be like happy with just one. I'd be guy. happy with just one all-star to be honest with you. I really would. 
Okay, I mean, well, still hard to do that. that that'd be fine too because if you could add a number one guy in these next two drafts, oh, then it doesn't number matter. One, it doesn't even matter what, what happened in the rest of the picks in my eyes. I don't think so either yeah. because again, you've got enough else. You know, you, as long as Hal Horford stays healthy, and as you said, people want to play for Brad Stevens now. You've got a chance now that Al came here. It certainly helps attract free agents, showing that Al did it. Um, I, I think the key is: can you get a out of these next two picks? Can you get a top ten player in the NBA? And remember, some of these other guys are getting a little bit older. You know, they're, they're LeBron's. I think thirty-one, and you know. They're getting a little bit older, so in three years, you're really preparing yourself. So in three years, then you've got a chance to compete for, uh, you know, maybe to win the East. And who knows what happens with Golden State then? Jeff Goodman, basketball insider for ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at Goodman ESPN. Get you out of here. I want probably no more than ten words, Jeff. Final four predictions. Uh, boy, it's so hard right now because Duke is so banged up. But if they are healthy, I will say Duke wins it all. Uh, I think Kansas will be in there. I think Kentucky will be in there. It's going to be a blue blood um, final four. I'll reserve the, the, the judgment on the, the other, the fourth team right now. Hopefully it'll be somebody that we don't expect. But uh, Duke is the best team in the country. If they get Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, uh, and Marquise Bolden, who we didn't mention, who's another potential lottery pick uh, back. They're all hurt right now. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Okay, so let's go right to the mailbag. I got the time to squeeze in. I had to sacrifice a little on my end to say, uh, you know, I'm not turning that into World War Three there at the beginning with Jeff or Isaiah Thomas's, uh, you know, current stature in the league. But yes, again, thank you once again, Jeff Goodman of ESPN, for joining Celtics Beat. As you know, three-headed monster to reach out to me to get on the show. Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR. Facebook, Facebook.com slash CelticsBeat. And, of course, email LHRussell at CLNSRadio.com. Let's start it off with the tweets. This is from at S89491621. Daniel, all right. At CLNS underscore LHR. Where would we be without IT? No one is going to trade with us because they all know we need is one more player. Free agents, exclamation points, Great to start off with this. God forbid someone who appreciates Isaiah. Daniel, love your points on free agents. It was sort of what I was trying to insinuate with Jeff there in the middle portion of the interview about the picks and touched upon it last week in last week's video mailbag. Celtics are just not going to trade any rotation or Nets uh, players or Nets picks uh, that may constitute as a gamble. Those are just going to be saved for surefire locks that will catapult Boston into the next tier of NBA teams, i.e. Paul George if Indiana has to make a move there. I like their strategy. They're going to make sure they have a max salary slot this summer, probably take a run at Gordon Hayward if he reaches the mark. I think he has a player option. So it's like, you know, instead of trading for Al Horford at last year's trade deadline, sign him in the summer. Maybe that happens with Hayward. I mean, then you still have all the picks at your disposal to either add over the next two years where you, as I said with Jeff, to bring in players into a positive environment, which certainly aids development. Or you have some ammo over, to, you know, left over to, to make another move to add to a strengthening core. Thank you for the tweet, Daniel. At HeyQua, uh, Q-U-A, I can't believe you think Isaiah is in the same conversation as Allen Iverson. That's nuts. Uh, well, it is not. Statistically, he is, which, uh, yes, puts him in a discussion with him no matter whom you may think is better. Okay, uh, moving to the Facebook messages. Get them in at facebook.com slash This being from Chris Ricketts. Chris, we are looking the goods here as an Australian Celtics fan. If we can trade for Bogut, my life will be <laughs> my life will be complete. Okay, Chris, we got to make that happen for you, man. 
He's motivated by winning a medal at the Olympics for Australia and so could choose to re-sign for a good team for a couple more years to get through to the next World Champs and Olympics. Okay, Chris, I am with you 100%, as I'm sure you would now know, uh, by especially you've been communicating with me about the week. I may as well say this point blank. I'd call up and offer Dallas right now, like I just said, any non-rotation player and any non-Nets draft pick and say, listen, we can get this done now or we can wait and possibly risk a Bogan injury as he is injury prone. That's one downturn with him. But I'm all on the Andrew Bogut bandwagon. He is going to help immediately. He would fill uh, some glaring, glaring voids and he would not cost the Celts any asset of significance. And I will say this. We've got an exclusive update on the status of Andrew Bogut, both in Dallas and on the trade market. It's coming up in the next 36 hours on Celtics Newsfeed. You know, it's very cliche to say, you're not going to want to miss this uh, in broadcast journalism. I've been in this long enough, but uh, guess what? You are not going to want to miss this. If you care about the possibility of where Andrew Bogut is going to be playing, playing basketball and say, oh, I don't know, March of 2017, I've got a big exclusive coming up that's set to release here. So give Celtics Newsfeed a subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. You're going to need to hear this update and this is coming soon again Celtics news feed on itunes and stitcher my main man jimmy from down under since going back to where he was drafted to play the pistons direct goes 85 percent from three and 80 percent field goal overall so far he is three for three tonight one from one from three to three fourth time he's also plus 11 in the last okay okay was he just look at the point was he just homesick here's hoping he can keep this up level of efficiency i think it's worth the mention he's been great uh you know, when this was posted on the Facebook page during the game, I think it was uh, on, on Wednesday. Um, but here it is, November 20. Yeah, okay. Jonas Jarepko, uh, five. I said it, I tweeted it like earlier in the week, five straight games where he didn't miss a three in the second half. He really keyed some runs in that Detroit game and then the Minnesota game, the 17-0 run. So, yes, Jimmy, I do agree. That was well worth your mention that he has been a positive thus far. Josh Parlin, what about Jeff Withy? Younger, cheaper, costs less to get, better rim protector, strong rebounder. Josh, I, as I responded to you, Withy is very intriguing. You heard Mr. Bernardoni on Celtics Hub on last week's show. He is a big fan. My feeling, just the Celts would just rather go with a veteran there, someone who they can pick the you know the system up quicker. Surefire bet to produce and help the team down the on the fly down the stretch run, especially if this is a trade deadline late season acquisition in which you'd really have to learn on the fly. Just as long as they don't surrender a rotation player nor the Mets picks, which I can safely say they are not going to. Okay, email LHRussell at CLNSRadio.com. I have got one, and this is from Aaron Kelly. Aaron says, did not see anything from you on Al Horford. Just, okay. Um, Aaron, I'm sorry I had to cut your email there. I kind of knew where you were going, but all right. You know, you did take the time to reach out. Um, I don't really know where to start here because I, I just did not want to say anything over. I thought it was something was utterly out of bounds earlier in the week, but, uh, you know, okay. I know there were a few fans and I mean a few fans, a couple of Twitter accounts in the media do not represent a fan base made up of millions. And in the word of in- instantaneous and instantaneous reaction and analysis, there was just, oh, he's going to miss another game. And to some degree, I actually a little bit understand the frustration there. Fans are emotional. Fans want to see the team win. So you can forgive them for being a little irrational. I mean, Al's value to the Celtics is tremendous. The on and off court numbers reflect that. Friday against Sacramento sure showed that. So of course, fans want to see him play. And aesthetically, him on the floor, very entertaining. I, I just said he's one of my all-time favorite Celtics, but it only took about 10 seconds for any initial angst to wear off once, you know, birth of a child, which for most people, greatest moment of their lives from the working stiff all the way to the fittest of athletes. So, uh, I mean, how many times do you hear someone say when they reach the pinnacle of their profession, winning a championship, they literally say greatest moment of my life outside of the birth of my kids. So no explanation needed. Players should be given more times off as is anyways for them to recover physically and mentally. You know, a Monday night against one of the five worst teams in the NBA. That was a good time. But uh, Aaron, I clearly knew what that email was insinuating. And that's why I avoided the whole charade that took place on talk radio the day after because 
the perpetrator of that was just looking for attention, point blank. He obviously had a preordained hot take ready at his disposal in case the Celts lost that game down in Miami. And it was done deliberately, too. I mean, there are those who, to do end runs around their basketball intellectual incompetence when it pertains to the Celtics basketball because they just don't like the sport. I mean, they'll do something like that. They'll create a fake controversy. So that way, to talk about the sport they don't like, they you know they talk about a fake controversy they created. And, oh, that just so happened to be the center of the fake controversy. So, I mean, even if that means stooping to the absolute lowest of lows, which I would qualify someone who's trying to put emotional stress on a family going through child labor, and don't give me this, oh, he makes $30 million. He can handle it. Anyone who actually makes an effort on their end to ruin the moment of a birth of someone's child, be it if that person had all the money in the world, like freaking David Rockefeller, for crying out loud, or they get by on food stamps, anyone who'd make a concerted effort to ruin the moment of a birth of a child, which for many consider to be the greatest moments of their life, and in this instance, all to get a couple hundred more listeners to their radio show. Uh, that's just one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, Aaron, I hope that answer makes you happy uh, because there were just so many reasons that this was whitewashed throughout the network and the media afterwards there. Um, CLS Radio has a standard to live up to of being the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics and an audience that counts you know, on this not just by the day but by the second. We just don't have the time to engage in such charades. And we, we understand how intellectually advanced our audience is. We understand through communicating with you guys on a minute-by-minute, bit in person-to-person basis, we come to the conclusion that you don't want to be trolled. You don't prefer to be trolled. <laughs> so, And we actually have the talent here at CLNS to provide programming that doesn't require that. Start it with tomorrow. Celtics Mondays here on CLNS. Use this for an example, how we just don't have the time to divulge in the circus and rather see said valuable time to discuss what's happening on the court and the ins and outs with a team. Celtics Monday, begin at 9 a.m. Eastern time, pooling at Duke with the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Then Mike Walsh's newsfeed report, Celtics pregame. And then the postgame show live immediately following the Rockets game on CLNSradio.com. Call in. Off your takes or takes on the game, 347-215-7771. Celtics Monday, audio content all day. And as we know, easiest way to listen and easiest way to block out the noise and the racket and the trolling, download the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app, plug in your headphones, do what you got to do, work, multitask, and you have Celtics and audio visual content all throughout the day and through the end of tomorrow night in this game against Houston. Um, real quick glance at the Celtics schedule. Tricky but manageable despite, you know, some of the issues that we still see on this team. And they were the same at the beginning since the beginning of the year. But they still have another chance to sort of hold serve here, especially since the month with the travel is about surviving. But at Houston tomorrow night, you started off tricky. Then at Orlando with a day of rest between. Not a bad flight. Home Friday night against Toronto. That's a good game. But 2-1, and one, that's more than manageable. 3-0, and oh, possible, not likely, but it's possible. So cross your fingers uh, for some second unit development. And we're looking at you, Kelly. Uh, and then maybe get some external help as we get closer to the trade season. So that's a good way to wrap on that. Normally, too, I say see everyone next year on Sunday on Celtics Beat. But as many of you guys know, I host Celtics pregame on the Celtics News Feed channel. So I guess I'll see everyone tomorrow and then the day after that. Because do not forget the big update we have on one Mr. Bogut on Celtics News Feed. So I'm going to be back very soon and back on In This Space in one week. But it's time to wrap number 186. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Dr. Pence, Chuck Deeds, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore Beat, and I am at CLNS underscore LHR. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Once again, thank you, Jeff Goodman of ESPN, for joining today's broadcast. To our sponsors, Casper, Movement Watches, and Audible. Audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. 
Another high five to our audience for listening in and making this podcast the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poulin, founder of the network Nick Jelso, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.